Coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio, it's Franchise Marketing Radio. Brought to you by IDS, an award-winning digital marketing agency that delivers integrated marketing solutions for franchisers, franchisees, and franchise development teams. Learn why over 75 brands depend on IDS's team of dedicated marketers and client service professionals to deliver a strong ROI on their marketing investment. Go to IDSFranchiseMarketing.com for a complimentary digital audit and consultation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Franchise Marketing Radio. I'm your host, Rob Ganley. And I have a great guest with me today. Very interesting guest. Uh, interesting brand, I should say, and guest. Uh, but her name is Rachel Southard. She is the brand president for Men in Kilts. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you, Rob. I also, I like to think of myself as interesting, so we can go with that. <laughs> uh, yes. And you'll you'll see what I mean in a minute. But you, you, And you probably you might have an idea of what I'm talking about. But that's great to have you today. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, Men in Kilts, the brand, how you landed where you are and what's going on with uh, with your future plans. Yeah. So I have been in this role as the brand president for Men in Kilts for about 18 months. Men in Kilts is part of Threshold Brands. So we're one of nine brands in the Threshold Brands portfolio backed by Riverside Private Equity. We are, all of our brands are in the home services space. So men in kilts, although, you know, we have to kind of explain it, part of what we'll talk about today doesn't really say what we do in our name, but we are exterior home cleaning, exterior building cleaning. So think window cleaning, gutter cleaning, pressure washing, house washing. Right, exactly. Well, what's interesting about the brand is, you know, exactly how do you tie the the men in kilts? And I, you know, it's it's obvious all about doing, you know, hard work and get and doing it well, right? And, and following through. But tell us more about that. I know there was a little bit of a rebranding fairly recently, right? And and how did you, you know, work that through? And tell us more about that, uh, your approach to that. Yeah. So when I came into the brand last year, that one of the first things I, and let me, let me just start by saying, I'm an ops girl. Like I come from an operations background. Um, I have a, a, a strong passion and love for marketing, especially over the last year and a half working with this brand. Um, but one of the first things that I noticed when I came in was it, it, exactly that reaction that most people get. Well, who, what is this brand? What do you do? And if I'm asking that, then, you know, consumers are asking that and there's confusion and that makes it really hard to sell your product. So that was kind of the number one priority for me coming in was how do we tighten up our positioning? How do we tighten up our messaging? How do we leverage that kilt in a way that's going to really resonate with our customers to to grow the business, and and that's kind of what we set out to do this year in 2022. Wow! So I know exactly. It's not an easy process, and when I think of branding, you know, I think of like when we see logos like a Nike swoosh or something. And by the way, I didn't always know it was called that, <laughs> but <laughs> but I feel really fancy that I could call it something. But like when you when you see Nike, you know, you think of just do it. You think of pushing yourself to the next level. Uh, you know, they have a brand, right? That's a brand. It makes you feel a certain way. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the ethos of your brand. So obviously, uh, Men in Kilts has a certain mission, a certain idea about how it approaches giving or delivering its service. T tell us more about yeah. that and how it ties to your effort here to rebrand. 
So when when we started this rebrand project, we we wanted to make sure we were making very data driven decisions and not just going off of a feeling. So it involved a lot of research, even though we all had kind of our hypotheses of of what was happening. We wanted to make sure if you're going to undertake a rebrand that it is really rooted in data and research. So we did a lot of um, consumer research. We did franchisee interviews, existing customer interviews. I mean, we got a lot of um, different data points that we kind of dissected and used that to um, pull some insights to influence the direction that we went. Um, One of the things that we saw and heard I should say this, we worked backwards from we need to control this narrative. And men in kilts had a little bit of um, gimmickiness to it. And that was a word that came out. And we heard that word a lot in all three of these, um, you know, existing customers, purchase and tenders, franchisees, gimmicky, gimmicky kept coming up, you know, no peaking while it's really fun and you can have a lot of fun with it. It, 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 really um, doesn't scream professionalism. And when you're thinking of home services, the number one thing that we heard from customers is, you know, reliability and trust and people aren't going to trust a gimmick. And so we knew we needed to, we had some work to do there. And we really dug into the kilt. I mean, that's what, that's our, our biggest you know, this differentiator um, is our distinctiveness of the kilt. And how do we leverage that in a way that has us controlling the narrative and, you know, stop with the no peaking because it is gimmicky and disrespectful. And we heard that a lot from our franchisees. People don't take me seriously. And so what we did was we really wanted to, when you think about the kilt, the heritage of the kilt and the noble, the nobleman and the noble purpose behind the men that wore the kilt, that's what we were wanting to embrace. And we yeah. kind of tied that with when you think of the strongman competition or Braveheart, like think about yeah. who was wearing those kilts, right? These warriors, battlemen yeah. and strength and power. And you were out doing these really what we call tough to tackle jobs, you know, getting on ladders and outdoor cleaning and how do you marry those two things together? And and again, I know you say like, what does the kilt have to do with any of this? But when you think of the kilt, you think of a really strong person that you can trust. They're going to mm-hmm. take care of you. They're going to take care of your home. That's the narrative. That's the story that we are bringing to life. Yeah. I love that. Now I, I it, you know, I think, uh, well, Bravehearts is one of those movies, right? <laughs> I think I've watched it at least a half a dozen times uh, every now and then. But it's a, it's a great a great representation of courage, right? And and you know, being having integrity and following through and doing good work and doing it because you because of that. That's why I do it. I do it because it's you should do it, right? Um, and I, I and I think that's an amazing tie into a brand. So that that's cool. I wanted to talk but about it, that. It's a great mm-hmm. tie-in, but also it was one of the number one th- things that we heard from our purchase intenders when they're looking for a home service provider. You are winning in this industry if you just call people back. Like the bar is set so low. There's it, it's just really hard to find reliable home service providers. So if we really lead with with that like integrity and trust, I mean, you you're you will win all day long. Yeah. And I would say the franchise industry 
does a lot of good for that, what you just said, you know, because you're in a fragmented industry where there's a lot of independent players, uh, local players, and they come and go, I would suppose. And and so you're, yeah. So the franchise industry really does bring that stability. It does bring that consistency, kind of like we're used to in other types of industries. So that's awesome. So you are growing. Um, Congrats, right? So tell me a little bit about what's happening. You, I think you're at, uh, is it 40 or 50 units now or territories or maybe a little yeah. more? Where, where are you at? We're at 40, I think eight as, as of this week. Um, it's every week I have to like count and see where we're at. Um, yeah. Territory sold, 37 open. I'm actually, I'm flying out to open one tomorrow in Miami. Um, wow. So yeah, we're growing really fast. We've doubled. When I started... Um, last summer we were at 26, I believe when I came on. So, I mean, we've, we've almost doubled in yeah. size in the last year and we're not slowing down, which is really exciting. Yeah, no, I, 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 I saw that and I know it's not easy to do. And, uh, it also means that, and this is the question I, I, I wanted you to share a little bit with is, is, you know, your approach to onboarding, right? Your, your approach to rolling a brand new franchisee out to, you know, kind of from start to, you know, success, or what does that look like year one? But I know that you want to roll them out and it's a very, and this is what franchising is about, right? You take all that complexity and difficulty and challenge of rolling in a brand new business in a new market. Tell us a little bit of how that looks both from operations and from marketing when you get, you know, start new like that. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's absolutely about putting processes in place so that you can scale. You have to have that foundation because you never know when you're going to experience explosive growth. I mean, it could literally happen overnight because that momentum builds and before you know it, you've sold 10 new franchises. And if you don't have those processes in place, you're not going to launch your new franchisees successfully, or you're going to, you're going to be held back because you can only do so many at once and you're holding people back. And that's not a position that you want to be in. Um, Thankfully I come, my experience in franchising uh, is from a really big brand that grew really fast and saw a lot of success. I was with the anytime fitness brand for about 10 years. And so when I Mm -hmm. started there, you know, just a few hundred locations across the US and Canada, starting to expand in Australia. 10 years later, when I left, 4,000 locations worldwide, 33 countries are still growing. So being able to apply a lot of those operations to this small scale has been really helpful. And we're we're doing things today that most small emerging brands aren't thinking about because you're really just thinking about what's right in front of you. But you have to be looking out what's next year, two years, five years, because if you don't take care of it now, you're going to crumble. And it's yeah. and it's some easy things you can do to get ahead of it. So that's what right. we've been focusing on this year. The, the onboarding of new franchisees mm-hmm. has been a big priority for us, but that touches every single aspect of the business. And how do you automate as much as you can, set it up for scale, get, get that... Uh, kind of, um, you know, a book off the shelf for the franchisees. This is what I need. I can go to it and not rely on everything from one person and all the information's in their head. Like you right. have to document everything down. Yeah. It's just amazing how many brands you see just, oh, who does that? Oh, that person, it's all in their head. Like, no. Right. 
Yeah. No, I was thinking of a commercial. I don't know if anyone would remember this, but there was one years ago where like the guy that that person like was walking to a meeting and bumped his head on a filing cabinet and knocked him out. He didn't know because he was the only guy with the information in his head. Right. It was this important meeting and he was, you know, and it's just that it was a play on the the idea that you you really can't do it that way if you want to protect yourself. Right. But well, no, no, that's kind of the game when you're in that uh, startup mode. Everyone wears a lot of hats. A lot of times one person's doing all the things and you're so busy taking care of all the things that you just you don't have the time to stop and, and do those things. And fortunately for us, that's the beautiful thing about having private equity partners and that support and that um, that funding so that you, you you have the resources you need to take the time to do those things to set yourself up for growth. It's really hard to do that when you're just kind of a founder-led brand or you don't have that that level of investment. And that, that's yeah. been a great thing about being a part of Threshold and having yeah. Riverside as a partner. It really has allowed us to uh, you know, slow down in the areas where we need to slow down and take our time and do it right, but c- keep the foot on the gas of, of growth. And, and we, it's, it's great to be able to do both. Wow. Yeah. And I would say to anyone listening, I mean, that that makes you very unique. I mean, you and the brands that are affiliated with Threshold. And I know there's other uh, you mentioned, I think you were part of another brand group. Uh, but, you know, having that on top of being part of a franchise for any anybody thinking about starting a business, that is a lot of a lot of support, a lot of foundational support. And and, you know, again, the access you have to kind of see again, kind of have vision for the future, right? Where you wouldn't have that if you didn't have the other experience and the other brands and the other players that are, are there with you. And, and that was interesting what you said about the foot on the gas, but take your time in other places. You know, when you're a business owner, you don't have time to really do that, especially a fran- like a, a local type of business, right? And so having you guys behind the scenes working on the business perpetually, always refining it, always making it better, so tell me a little bit about that. I, you have, I know, some some new, um, well, I don't know if it's new, but I know I mentioned something about a new guarantee or maybe it was this year, but you have a, a new approach to how you back up what you said earlier about, you know, you said the bar was somewhat low, but, you know, you want to make it very clear that's you're not about that and the brand's not about that. It's about doing what you say you'll do, right? Tell me more about the guarantee. I think it's called Plaid or, or something yeah, like Platt that. Promise. So the Plaid yeah. Promise, is our, um, of course, from a marketing perspective, we want to leverage that kilt everywhere we can. So you'll see a lot of fun. That was one thing, you know, we wanted to lose the gimmickiness, but we didn't want to lose the fun in the brand personality that we have. So um, you'll see us really doing some fun spin on words and play on plays on words like plaid and tartan and a lot of um, you have to, you know, go to our website, minikilts.com. It's a, a really cool. We've got some quirkiness there. And um we we have the plaid promise, but one of my uh, things that I'm most proud of with the rebrand is really getting tied on what our our vision and, and purpose is, and and what we're what we're aiming to do. And when we kind of took a step back and looked at the work that we do, and we look at ourselves as a premium brand, we're not going to be the lowest, the cost, the cheapest option. Um, but you are. We part of our research shows that. Our consumers are willing to pay more for a better experience. And we look at ourselves as an experience brand. So when we think about our purpose, it's to create extraordinary experiences. 
So when our techs show up, they're not just going to show up and clean your windows. There's going to be these little wow moments that they integrate into the experience. First of all, our, our consumer wants to be home when we show up. They're not, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't just like, oh yeah, clean my windows. I'll be at work. They're like, okay, what time are the kilts coming? Cause I want to see it. I mean, it, and the neighbors want to see it. The neighbors are going to come outside and be like, what is going on over there? I mean, we really, we're, we're taking home exterior home cleaning to a whole nother level. So we really needed to leverage that and make sure that we're not just cleaning the window, but we are providing a really fun, high quality experience. So you know, we talk about our purpose is to make every experience extraordinary. Our our uh, our vision is to, um, and and we we went but we went back and forth on the the words. Every word has meaning. So, you know, we really uh, we we changed out different words in in this this statement. But it's to become the most respected and recognizable exterior home cleaning business in the communities where we serve and respected was a really important word for us. You know, at first like, we want to be the biggest, we want to be the best we want to, you know, and it's, it's easy to kind of think of that first, but again, going back to the pain point of the consumer being the most respected was more important to us than being the biggest. Yeah. And, go ahead. I was, I was just going to interject real quick and, the, and the, that's hard to pull off what you're describing because you know, and I'm thinking as you're explaining it, but I like the event, the the experience side, right? To not make it something what you said earlier, where people didn't take it seriously. It was it was very it got your attention, but it, it diverted from the other side, where you want to keep it in balance. You want people to pay attention and have fun with it and enjoy it, but you also do great work, and that that's the bottom line of why you're there in the first place. But exactly. That's, and that's where that plaid promise comes in is we're guaranteeing you that we are going to do very high quality work. And if you're not happy with it, we're going to come back out and we're going to fix it. So this isn't just, yeah. it's not a gimmick. We we really yeah. are. We put, when, when we think about our value propositions through our rebranding, we have four value propositions. And I'll tell you, we, we launched this rebrand last May at our convention to our franchisees. And we have spent the entire year training on it, reinforcing it, rolling out the tools and resources needed for the franchisees to, you know, embrace it and execute and deliver this. This doesn't just happen overnight. I mean, you can't just go do a rebrand and put words on a paper and expect it to come to life. I mean, it's reinforcement, reinforcement. And that's really even looking towards 2023 and what's our strategy for 23 it's yeah. reinforcing everything we rolled out in 22. We're not adding anything new mm-hmm. because this takes time. I mean, this takes repetition, repetition, and, and that's that's what we're focused on. But those four value propositions, the first one is our, our people, our technicians, because they're the ones that are going to deliver the experience. So it's, right. it's, it's uh, those wow moments. It's the little things that we do, like if we sh- if we pull up to the house and your garbage can still at the curb, we're going to pull it up. If you're, you know, we see trash, we're going to pick it up for you. If your paper's out in the yard, we're going to bring it up to the door. If the light bulb's out, we're going to say, hey, can we change that for you? So it's these little moments that you don't expect that that we're delivering. We can't just email our franchisees and say, hey, guys, starting Monday, start doing this. Like, it doesn't, I mean, as a franchisor, man, I wish it worked that way, but... We have to train, train, reinforce, bring it up. Like I loved, we had, I saw Daniel Pink speak once and he talked about, you know, 
people don't hear you until you you've said it seven, seven times. It takes seven times before people hear you. So they hear you the first time when it's your seventh time. <laughs> and that's kind of what we've embraced. And we're, we just, we're until we're tired of saying it, they haven't heard it. And so, you know, that's giving them all the tools and, and resources to execute on that has been a big, big project of ours. And if we were doing a, a a TV show, people would have saw me laughing about about what you were saying about communi- over communicating. Yeah. But that's actually very very helpful. Uh, what you just said, uh, the seven times. Now I've heard that in marketing used in different ways, um, but the, the communicating internally, and, and in our case, and I say our because I do consult franchisors and work with franchisors, but it is it is a lot of communication. It's about communication and to get someone to embrace a brand idea or change the way they, you know, have an experience with a client that takes some time, not hard to understand the concepts, just like you said. And that's really important to understand because you know what, just embrace the idea that you have to over communicate, build your processes so that you are over communicating all the time and never stop over communicating. That to me is really impactful. Just to, because the opposite is I, I, they should just know why well, we've already told them three times. Yeah. <laughs> you know what no. I mean? Yeah. Well, and and then you get stuck okay. there. And yeah. until you are sick of saying it, they have not heard you. Right. So there's no, we've already told them four times. It's yeah. not enough. Because yeah. we've told um, them three or four times and we're already ready to go to the next thing. Like, wait, yeah. I'm way over here on this new thing. Y'all are still back there. What are you doing? I mean. Yeah. No, very helpful, Rachel. That That's a good point. I mean, internally, again, I've heard that many times used in the marketing idea where you're following up with someone to get their attention or they see your ads a certain number of times. But to, to, to say that in a communication sense, because it's true, we're all inundated with a lot more information than we ever have been in our lives. Most of us that are a little older um, because we didn't always work within the internet. Like, you know what I mean? And now we have all this extra information to process. Yeah. So we're just not hearing, right? Yeah. We got to, we got to hear it over yeah. and over. So that's really cool. I, 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 yeah. I kind of mentioned about working in the business on the business. And one thing that I always have to remind myself and my team is that my most important priority is I guarantee you not my franchisee's most important priority. They are working in their business. They have a lot going on. And me communicating this this one thing that I feel is so important is probably number six on their list. It's number one on mine. And we just have to respect that. I mean, they are running businesses every day. They have a lot going on. And it it just sometimes it's just the the something you may have heard, like we said, six times. And it's just something about where you were and what you were doing that seventh time that you finally heard it. And we just have to give them the space and, and respect the 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 grind that they're in every day. Wow. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Very, very cool. So tell me, um, and as we wrap up the show, um, I just wanted I to kind of ask you. We can't be rapping already. There's so I know, I know. It's going. I know. It's it's a good conversation. So I wanted to try to you know take all that goodness that you just shared. Uh, is there anything you know? You're you're now brand president for I think three brands now, um, but you've been in these these roles where you've been a leader. Uh, you've been connected to brands that are very large. You have really recognizable folks in your corner. Uh, now um, that really understand business. 
Tell me, is there one thing, is there something that you really feel like this is guiding me? And you just said something that was amazing about the seven times uh, and when you're communicating something. Um, but is there one thing that guides you that is that you feel like yeah, this is the, these are a set of principles or way of looking at something that kind of guides you? And as you move forward with these new responsibilities, is there something as a leader that you say, this is something I stay focused on that would help others maybe in your position? Yeah, I feel I I know exactly it didn't take me but one second to think of what my answer was here. And it and it's I almost feel like I'm contradicting myself by saying it because I do have to constantly even remind myself of this. Um, but it is uh it's all about strategy and strategy, the hardest part of strategy is knowing what to say no to and just really focusing on one or two things and doing those one or two things really well. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of very important things that you need to do, but you have to prioritize and pick one or two and you have to get really good at saying no to everything else or you're just going to half-ass everything. And and yeah. that is a constant reminder because even my team is like, I'm constantly like, oh, we need to do this. Oh, we need to do this. And I have to remind myself, is it the number one priority? Yes, it's important. And I think that's what we forget is just because you say no to something, you're not saying that it's not important. It's yeah. just not the number one priority. Yeah. Now that's very profound. You know, I, I think of an idea that a coach taught me a number of years ago about sort of ranking your priorities in a world where there's a lot of important things, more important things than you have time for. That's the point. Could be very important, but you know, so what's the first thing that everybody has to think about in a business? And probably it's profitability, profitability, right? It's it's you have to be making money so you can take care of your team, take care of the brand, take care of your clients. And and so how do you prioritize? And it's always you know, looking at things that are high impact for yes. right now, low yes. effort, high impact, yes. sort of a ranking it by that, that right? That impact. Yeah. Uh, quadrant that we we are we are always sticky noting things on that quadrant to help prioritize low effort yeah, I am all day long <laughs> yeah no it's because one of those tools i might have i have as well but you, you yeah exactly you have to constantly refine that's actually the thing where you're you're learning to say no you're refining what you're working on you're always zeroed in on on that line between where you are in profitability or what makes that biggest yeah. impact and and that's the key. And and yeah, that's what I find myself constantly redirecting. If I'm working with a client who's in your spot or, you know, on a team like yours, you know, that's what we're always doing, right? And then we stay focused once we know what's the most important things. But I do find that's the challenge. This <laughs> is that everybody's shooting from the hip, running and going. But uh, but yeah, this is why I wonder how do you do it without a franchise, right? So with that being said. Is there a website or uh, a web address both for potential consumers and for potential uh, franchisees that might want to join your team? Is there some websites you'd like to share? So you can go to our our websites, meninkilts.com. And that's both for consumers. And there's, um, if you're interested in opening a Men in Kilts in your local community, there's a space for you on that website as well to contact us. Um, you know, we've got, like we said, we've got a close to 50 locations across us and Canada. So we're expanding and looking for some great partners to expand with us. So you can see where all of our locations are and, and reach out to us. You can also email me 
rsouthard, S-O-U-T-H-A-R-D at meninkilts.com or find me on LinkedIn as well. And yeah, I'd love to chat men in kilts and threshold brands with anyone who's interested. Well, I, I can vouch for it. It'd be a good conversation. So you should reach out when someone gives you that opportunity. And that's a, it's a pleasure talking to you today, uh, Rachel. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Rob. And thanks for the guests for, for tuning in and all our listeners. We appreciate you and bye for now.